You are listening to the Sunday Morning Sermon Series from the Grapevine Church of Christ in Grapevine, Texas. We're a family that is devoted to giving our lives to and living our lives for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, www.grapevinechurch.com. Thank you for listening. You know, I like Christmas season because, first off, you get all, first thing you get is these surveys. And so recent surveys have been uh, done during the Christmas season, and there's some interesting findings that come out of it. Uh, first off, one survey I was reading says 45% of people would prefer to skip Christmas. I know, some of us thinking, what, what do you, now, I think of that and go, if that just means I don't have to put Christmas lights on the house? Okay, Uh, but 45% of people would prefer to skip Christmas, and the reason being is the pressure to spend more than they can afford on gifts, which makes a lot of sense. Over the last four years, there's been this survey going on looking at how people are feeling about Christmas, and what we find is, is that there's this continued pressure on people to spend more than they have to bring happiness with the gifts that we give and it's causing stress on people's lives and how could it not because through this season we are bombarded with advertisements and names for special days we have black friday we have cyber monday it just sounds like something we should be a part of and so We're a part of it. And each year, as Christmas ends, many of us may say to our spouse or a person sitting next to us or in a conversation, you know what, next year, it's going to be completely different. Who in here has ever said that? Next year, I'm not going to do that. But then the next year rolls around, and what do we find ourselves doing? We find ourselves doing the exact same thing because we are bombarded with the words this one thing will fulfill all of your wildest dreams this will fulfill your joy and so we continue as we enter into another christmas season and are reminded of our need A need for joy, a need for peace, and a need for belonging. But in the midst of that, the noise of the Christmas season tells us to buy this or buy that. And we find ourselves in tension. We find ourselves in struggle. But I believe when Christmas rolls around, There's a stirring that happens inside of us. Because as we've listened to the siren song to say, bye, 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 there's something inside of us that says, all of that is still left us wanting. There's a hole that we're trying to fill. There's a need that we're trying to to fulfill for ourselves and Christmas season in the midst of all of this we're left wanting more we're left thinking there has to be a better way 
And this may be how you feel at Christmas. I know at Christmas time, this is always how I feel. I feel this tension. My wife and I always get in the arguments of um, the presents that we buy, right? It's, it's never a good thing when you have to look on your Amazon account and say, where did that come from, right? Or why is this charge here? But we find ourselves still, still trapped in this kind of ongoing cycle, and we continue to struggle navigating through the noise of the Christmas season of the world in which says, do this, buy this, get this, and you will feel better, alongside of this other part of the season in which I believe is stirring inside of us, and it is the struggle of, but there's a better way. There's something else. There's something else happening in this world, and that's what I need. And so we find ourselves navigating through this tension, being pulled this way, being pulled that way. And then when Christmas comes along, we hear the cry of a baby. And the cry of the baby kind of stops us for a minute. The cry of the baby pulls on our heartstrings a little bit. And the cry of the baby calls us to say, I wonder what else is out there. And I can say that now because with Isaac, I have learned just what a cry can do. I learned how a cry can stop everything and make you try to figure out what's going on. The cry can, can break through the noise of anything and stop you to wonder what's going on. And in this season, as we are trying to navigate through the noise of the world that says, buy, 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 fulfill your greatest need with this one thing, fulfill your joy with this, we stop for a moment in this season because there is a baby crying in a manger. And that's where we find ourselves today. We find ourselves at the beginning of this season. And that's where we enter into the text. And we're not going to look at a New Testament text. We're going to go back a little bit. We're going to look at the text in Isaiah. The prayer of the prophet. A prayer of lament. A prayer of neediness. But in the end, I believe also a prayer of hope. So read with me, Isaiah 64, 1 through 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry, and we sinned, because you hid yourself we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all the righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. 
We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. We, like the prophet, look for, plead with, and hope that God will once again do something spectacular. The prophet reaches back deep into the memory of Israel and says, if you would only do what you did at Exodus, if you would only once again come as you did in Sinai, And I think that's a cry that all of us have had from time to time. I think we can connect with that cry. Why not, Lord? Why not something big? Just do something big for me, God. It's like when we sit, when I would sit at my grandparents' feet, or maybe when you would sit with someone older and they would tell you stories. And you know what I'm talking about. They would tell you those stories of things past. And you hear them, and it, it just jogs your imagination. You begin, to, you begin to think, oh, if that would happen to me. Oh, if I, could, if I could sense God like that. You sit with a friend at lunch, and they're telling you of stories. And you think, if only God would do that. And we find ourselves with the prophet and with all of Israel crying out, Oh Lord, if you would just tear open your heavens and come down. But I want you to notice something in this. I want you to notice something in this plea from the prophet. And, and it, I didn't even notice it until later. But if we, if we read it, and if you read it again, maybe, maybe you'll see it. Or more importantly, maybe you'll feel it. But as the prophet cries out for God to do something big, to once again be present, we notice something happens to the prophet as well. And I think this is a, a lesson we learn throughout all of Scripture, that when we cry out to God, when we kind of in our own ways confront God's majesty and power and awe, something happens in that moment. And what do we see what happens in that moment is when we come before God with this cry, we also confront ourselves. When the prophet cries out for God to do something, we notice a few verses later, we have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We see this in Exodus 20, starting in verse 18, when the people of God are talking and God comes down to Sinai and they look at Moses 
And they say, when all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. In Isaiah 6, when the king has just died, and Isaiah comes to the temple weeping for the death of the king, and what does Isaiah encounter? The majesty of God. And we have in verse 5, And I said, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When we confront God, when we come to God with this, we also confront ourselves. We confront our neediness. We confront our desires in that hole that maybe for the last year we've been trying to fill ourselves. And we've been trying to kind of numb this way of how we felt by doing things our way. But sooner or later, it's verbalized. Maybe it's in a prayer with God. Maybe it's in a conversation with a friend when you finally just say, I can't do it anymore. But when it becomes words, when it comes off of our lips, we confront ourselves and we have to be honest with ourselves of what we've been trying to do, of how we've been trying to do our life, how we've been trying to create the way for ourselves. And what we find is, is that we are still left wanting. So I think a lot of times we don't like to say this prayer. I think a lot of times we like to think it, but we don't really want to think about it because it's hard to confront ourselves. It's hard to be honest with ourselves. It really is when you think about it. We would rather not. We would rather do what? Point at somebody else, like Jesus shows us in Luke 18, with the prayer of the righteous and the prayer, the prayer of the righteous and the Pharisee and the prayer of the unrighteous. You remember that story? Where the prayer of the righteous man says what? Or actually wasn't righteous, he's a Pharisee. But what did he say? He goes, Oh Lord, thank God that I am not like that person over there. We don't like to confront ourselves. But Jesus says, then there was the prayer that said. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus looks at the crowd and says, which one went home? Righteous. This prayer is a difficult prayer. This text is a difficult text because we like to think about God doing big things. But in, in doing that, we also confront our own sinfulness. We confront our own desire to create our own ways, to fill our own holes. And when the Christmas season ends, we find ourselves once again saying what? It's going to be different next year. It's going to be different next year. But I think what we see in this text as we continue to move forward is when we're willing to confront our neediness, when we're willing to give it a name, this is what it is. This is what I'm struggling with. Then I think we see transformation begin as well. 
Because in this text, we begin to notice the prophet as he goes through it, and he gets to verse 8. And we like verse 8. Because in verse 8, he says, Yet. We've done all of this bad stuff. We'll be there in a minute, I promise. Uh, uh, But in this verse, he's been going on, talking about their sinfulness. And he gets to verse 8, and he says, Yet. And here's where the hope kicks in. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. When we're able to confront ourselves, when we're able to confront how we have been trying to produce our own way, we come to a point when we realize that we can't, and all that we can do is give it over to the one who shaped us and formed us. We're at this point where all we can do is hand it over to someone else. And that person, as the prophet shows us, is the one who molded us and shaped us. It is not our way. It is the potter's way. And we begin to confront our desires, and we begin to lay our desires before the feet of the potter. And we tell the potter, we have tried to do it on our own. We, the clay, have tried to form ourselves, and it is not going anywhere. You are the one that can shape us. And so we come to this season hearing the cry of a baby and realizing there's something different in this world. But as we realize, we also have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves about what needs we've been trying to fill. What joys have we been trying to fill? How have we been trying to control this year and those things on our own? We have to be able to lay before the potter our sinful desires. Lay before the potter our need for control. And tell the potter to shape us and mold us and form us into the potter's image. So this season as a people, we say like the prophet, tear open the heavens, Lord, and come down. And this season, like the prophet, we remember there is a child that is coming. And it is that child who begins to show us the way of the potter's love. Who begins to say, there is, will be, and will always be a way. But are we willing to give up? To confront ourselves? And let the child who is to come... Fill our heart. So in Isaiah 40, verse 3, the voice cries out, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And today, we pray that God would make straight 
the highway in our hearts and lead us into the way of God. And so today, that's my challenge. Where have you tried to fill your needs? Where have you tried to do it yourself? Where are you struggling? What things do you need to come before the potter and lay at his feet? Because he wants to make a straight highway in our hearts. He wants to be the potter of our lives. I think this season is a beautiful season because it shocks us. It jolts us back into God is up to something. You've been listening to Grapevine Church of Christ. Subscribe to our sermon podcast and to our other Grapevine Church podcasts for special behind-the-scenes content. For more information, you can go to www.grapevinechurch.com.